What's up, everybody? This is Full Draw Friday, episode number 22. Today, we're going to talk about some habitat improvements that anybody can do. We talk a lot about private land ownership, but lately we've been on the regular podcast. We've talked to a lot of guys that are hunting public ground, and this will also go for uh, permission ground guys, or if you're just hunting a small property. And I kind of got this idea from Clint McCoy's latest article, one of his latest articles in North American Whitetail, their March habitat issue. Um, called Everyman Management Plans, and I took some stuff out of there. So if you guys want to, go check that out. It's a really good article that's going to have some more stuff that I'm not going to cover. But I did take some stuff out of that, and then I added my own, uh, a few of my own things to it too. So that's what we'll talk about today. Full Draw Friday, number 22. So like I said, we're going to be talking about permission ground, public ground, and even small properties, what you can do on those for habitat improvement. Because again, most of the time when we're talking about that, uh, guys think it's not really for them because there's not a high percentage of guys that own their own land just solely for hunting or that they have uh, the ability to make habitat improvements on. So they're going to be talking about today the guys who don't have that opportunity but can still do some stuff to improve that habitat for whitetails um, and really wildlife in general. So we'll start with the permission property, guys. I hunt some permission property. I know a lot of guys around us do. Probably, I don't know what the percentage would be. It'd be interesting to find out what percentage of deer hunters are actually hunting permission property, not land that they own and not public ground. I'd say it's a pretty good percentage. So this hopefully will help a lot of you guys out. Um, and some of the, these are some things that I'm going to do this year that I've done in the past uh, that I think you can do on permission ground that are not really all that intrusive that most landowners aren't going to have a problem with that's going to help improve your whitetail habitat. And the first one, obviously, you're going to want to talk to your landowner, whoever that is, the farmer that farms it even um, if those are separate. So if you have a, a separate landowner from the farmer, uh, if the farmer owns it, then obviously you can just talk to him about everything. But the first one I have down is to uh, plant those small plots, even in corn and bean fields. Or if you have somewhere in a, like a, ta- a stand of timber, that's already pretty cleared out. You can go in there and get rid of that leaf litter a lot of times and plant a small plot in there. Or, like I said, you can plant straight into corn and bean fields. That's something that we're going to try to do this year that I know some guys have done in the past and had success with. As long as you talk to the farmer about it, a lot of times you can do a fall blend. You can just broadcast it right into the beans. Once they start to turn... Uh, and the leaves die, it allows enough sunlight to the ground that you're going to get enough that the the fall blends are going to grow. Obviously, you're going to lose some of that when the farmer comes in and cuts his beans, but it's going to be more than you had, more than you would have had had you not planted anything. So if you go in there and broadcast before a good rain, it's similar to doing a food plot, a regular food plot. Um, you're just not going to quite get the same coverage because of the beans that are out there. And again, that combine coming through is going to kill some of the stuff, but you're going to have, again, more than you would have had you not done anything, and that could be really beneficial. There's a spot I have in mind this year um, close to where I shot ghosts last year that I think is going to be just really good if we can get something to grow out there after the beans are out. So uh, you can do that with corn too. Obviously, it's harder to broadcast straight into that because even when they start to turn and the leaves die, you're still not getting a lot of sunlight to the ground, but you can wait until after the corn is out and go in and plant something like a winter wheat. Uh, a lot of farmers won't like you planting a winter rye in there just because it's harder to kill. Um, rye grass, same way, which you wouldn't really want to plant that anyway. 
Um, winter wheat's a good option, though. A lot of them will plant that, too, as a cover crop. So you may have some winter wheat coming in behind them. But if not, you can go in there and plant you a little half-acre acre plot of winter wheat uh, if they're all right with it. And that's going to be a benefit as well. Because if there's none of that around, that's where all the deer are going to be when all the crops are out. So that's a big one for permission property, especially if you're hunting ag ground. And then again, even if you're hunting timber and you do have some openings and stuff like that, that you can do some stuff with. Uh, another one that's not really intrusive that a lot of guys aren't going to have problems with you doing, uh, a lot of landowners are not going to have issue with, uh, is water holes. And that's they're cheap and easy too. You can get just a 55-gallon, uh, like a water trough, bury it out there in the timber somewhere along a main trail, and put some water in it. And then you've got a water hole that is, you just make sure it's got water in it. You can make it easy enough to get to. Um, if you have a side-by-side or a four-wheeler, where you can take water back to it. Hopefully, it'll hold enough that you get enough rain that if you start out with a full tank, you shouldn't have to fill it up too often. But that's a way that you can improve the deer's health, especially in a dry fall like last year that we had. If you have some water in holes out, that's really going to help those deer have a place to go get a drink. And then it also becomes a place you can hunt in the fall. You can hunt over those water holes just like you would a food plot because the deer are going to hit them at all times of day and all throughout the hunting season. So now on to public ground. This one's a little more difficult because, and I assume it depends on what public ground you're hunting to and what state you're in, what all you can and can't do as far as um, messing with anything in the habitat. And a lot of times it's going to be you just you can't touch anything. So with that in mind, uh, one big thing you can do, and this is something you can do on permission ground potentially or on your small properties, is predator control. I know they offer predator hunts on public land a lot of times. That's something you can go out and do in the off-season um, and help your deer numbers, especially if you're not seeing that many deer. You can go out and shoot some coyotes, um, maybe draw a bobcat tag. If you can do that on public ground, I'm not sure in Illinois yet, um, all the rules on all that. But predator control, predator control is probably one of the biggest things you can do from a public ground perspective as far as habitat improvements. Now, another one you can do, which is not as direct, is decreasing your intrusion. So you're not going in there all the time, um, even in the off-season. You're giving those place those deer a place to stay. Um, and in the hunting season, maybe there's a place that you don't go all the time until uh, it's just perfect or you know everybody's pushed the deer back into it, so you kind of give them a sanctuary until the pressure really goes up. But just overall... Uh, decreasing your intrusion is going to help improve those that habitat for the deer because they're not going to feel as pressure. Obviously, not everybody's going to do that on public ground, but in certain situations, I think it's possible that you alone not going in there as often is going to help benefit you uh, benefit your deer herd and increase your chances of, of harvesting the deer. So, <clears throat> excuse me, another one, um, which really doesn't have a lot to do with the deer herd, but Obviously, it is a habitat improvement. Uh, just pick up the trash. You know, I've done some public land hunting, and it's amazing how many aluminum cans and plastic bottles there are out there, um, candy wrappers, stuff like that. You know, just go in there and pick that stuff up if you're doing some summer scouting or anything. It's probably not going to affect the deer that much. That's something that uh, Clint talks about in his article. But it is a habitat improvement, and I think it's a good thing to do um, as just kind of appreciation for the land um, and being able to be out there and hunting it. So picking up trash is a good one. And again, even on permission or small properties um, or private landowners for that matter, uh, that's a good one to keep in mind. Now on to the small property one. And I'm in this situation as well because at the cabin, it's just a 10-acre property uh, that we're trying to manage as best we can to make it the best spot in that neighborhood. Um, 
based on what we have and what's around us for the deer to be um, most often. So one thing that I do there is small plots and even micro plots, if you want to call them that. One of the plots there that I have harvested deer out of before um, that I've got pictures of plenty of big bucks in is less than a quarter acre food plot. The only two times I've ever had them cleaned it out, um, I tried to plant beans in a mix one year. Um, they cleaned that down to nothing. And then I did clover a couple years ago and they actually ate it down to nothing too. Now there's not a lot of food in that area and there's not, um, outside of our property, a ton of natural browse, I don't think. So that has something to do with it, but also it's just, it's less than a quarter acre food plot. So if it gets any pressure at all with that kind of stuff, it's not going to do well. So what I've adjusted after doing those two things was just going in and doing fall plots with the brassica blends. I haven't had any trouble with them completely eating those down to nothing. They've been in there eating them, a lot of browse pressure on them, uh, but those blends generally will take more browse pressure than the rest of them. And then even uh, I've done some winter wheat before um, and same result. So those are some good ideas for your micro plots that you might want to keep in mind. It also allows you to plant them a little later so you're not getting that browse pressure in August and September. Um, it's mostly during the hunting season. So the time I tried to plant that blend with the beans in it, they came in, they were in there all September, they ate it down to nothing, and then they weren't back in there. So that's something to keep in mind as well, another benefit to doing those fall plots, especially in your small ones. Uh, but you can also do, like I've just cleared out a half-acre spot on that 10-acre property. Um, that's going to be a relatively good-sized food plot for that area just because there isn't a lot of food around. So that's something you can do too. Another one, if you do own the property, even though it's a small property, if you have timber on it, you can do some timber stand improvement. And I think that's kind of a, a blanket uh, timber stand improvement. Kind of gets thrown around a lot um, when guys are just talking about cutting down trees and stuff. But what I mean by that is selectively cutting down trees or hinge cutting, anything that's going to improve your timber full with the idea of white-tailed deer um, benefiting from it. Now, whether that be bedding or for mass crops or both, um, you can do those things. If you have a property that sits next to a big um, oak flat and you just need bedding cover, maybe you improve it for bedding cover. If you have plenty of bedding cover around you, but you have a few oak trees that you think you could clear some stuff out around them and they would flourish, then maybe you do that. But those are some things you can do on small property. Since you own that ground, is going there if it has any timber on it and doing that. Uh, another thing I'm doing at the cabin is trying to get rid of as many invasives as I can just to let the the other stuff flourish like those oak trees um, and stuff like that. I don't that we have a ton of autumn olives out there that we have issues with that I don't really want. It doesn't provide anything for the deer. Um, they eventually just die and lay over and it gets in such a big mess that the deer can't even walk through it. So getting rid of invasives is another good timber stand improvement. It's going to let all those natural, all the natural growth come up <clears throat> and do their thing uh, without having to do with that. So those are some things you can do as far as habitat improvements, even if you don't own a big section of private land or if you don't own any ground at all. Just on your hunting property, wherever you're hunting, whether that be public, permission ground, or a small private property that you do own, hopefully those are some things you guys can get out there and do. Um, I want to do this because, like I said, we've been talking to a lot of public land guys lately on the regular podcast, and I know everybody doesn't own ground. Like, I, we don't own a bunch of ground. Um Nate own, I mean, he doesn't own it. He has, his family owns, you know, 80 acres that he's probably messing with. Even that's not a great big property. Um, none of us really own a whole bunch of land. So <clears throat> it's relative to us as well. And I know a lot of people are like that. So 
And these are all principles that you can use on those bigger private properties too, whether you're talking 80, 100, 160 acres, whatever it is. But they're also, you can't do everything you can do on those properties uh, on your permission or public ground, especially. So hopefully these are some things that'll help. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Hopefully you've been keeping up with the regular episodes. We have some really good guests on. Um, we're going to continue that in the upcoming weeks. We've got some more guests coming on um, that are just full of information. So before we get you out of here, though, uh, one of the guests we did have on recently was Rodney Hawkins. And as you guys know, he's a partner to the podcast. Um, and if you're looking for your own piece of ground to manage and hunt, so maybe you are a permission hunter, a public land hunter, or you just got a small property and you're looking to upgrade or maybe getting into your first property, um, or if you have property that you're looking to sell because you decided that it's not worth uh, the time and effort of the money and you just want to go to hunt in public ground or you do have permission ground, whatever the reason, Rodney's going to be the guy to talk to. He grew up hunting and fishing in southern Illinois, and now he's putting that love for the outdoors into selling recreational properties as a land specialist with Midwest Farm and Land. Um, they're not really your average real estate company. They've sold over $85 million worth of ground last year alone. They've got agents like Rodney all over Illinois, so really they're a local company, but they do have a national reach. Um, for any information on them or any properties that might be available or just getting yours listed, you can call Rodney directly at 618-925-3153, and he'll get you taken care of. He's also recently started a company called RG Outdoors, and they carry hard and soft-sided blinds and blind chairs, all from Radix Blinds, in addition to an all-natural scent elimination product called Camo Dust, which you can get more info on at camodust.com. We've actually got some of that here that he brought for us when he came in that we're going to try this fall and see how it works. Um, he also has the burner self-defense weapons now and Tacticam trail cameras. So if you want either of those things, he's got those as well. Again, for anything that you're interested in that they have, you can check out their Facebook page, RG Outdoors. Email them at rgoutdoors@yahoo.com or just call Rodney at that number, 618-925-3153. Don't forget to check out our website as well, ridgehunteroutdoors.com. Anything you see on there, if you want it, full draw. Um, we'll get you 10% off that discount code. It's just all caps, no space, full draw. 10% off anything on the website. Don't forget to follow us. Leave us a review on Apple Podcast or Spotify. Um, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Leave a comment. Like the videos if you like them. Um, that keeps us going, and it helps us out a whole bunch. So thanks, guys, for tuning in, and we will catch you on Monday for the regular episode.